Welcome to your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Be joined in a little bit by Marcus Fuller, who helps me break down the Gophers men's basketball coaching situation and uh, what has gone wrong in the Richard Patino era. I'll also spend some time dealing with some quotes from Sunday from Ricky Rubio, Timberwolves guard, that I didn't get to get to on Monday's show because we had a lot of other stuff to get to, but I don't want to let those pass by without addressing them and giving a little bit more perspective. But first, what did I miss? Well, I stayed up. I don't know if you did. I stayed up to watch the Wild and the Golden Knights on Monday night in Vegas, 9 o'clock start. Ended a little after 11.30 Central Time. Vegas pulls it out in overtime, 5-4. Wild had a 4-2 third period lead, could not hold onto it. All four Wild goals, even strength. Um, two of the Vegas goals, uh, first two power play goals. We don't need to get into the officiating. That's not really what we're here to talk about, but the Wild has had a ton of even strength goals lately, way more than any other team in the NHL. Mostly just want to talk about how this bodes well for kind of down the road here. I feel like this is a team in the Wild, even though their their unbeaten streak ends, they they lose, you know, in, in kind of a showdown game, and they'll play, they'll play Vegas again a couple nights from now. Um, but... This feels like a team that has something going right now. That feels like a team that could possibly, for the first time, like when was the last time you actually looked at a wild team and you said, this is a team that could probably do, I don't want to say massive damage in, in the playoffs, but this is a team that if they got to the playoffs, which it sure looks like they could, you know, as this season plays out, this is a team that looks like it's got something that that could be dangerous in the postseason. You look at, you know, Kaprizov obviously changes the dynamic. Kevin Fiala changes the the dynamic, the goaltending has by and large been solid between uh, you know Talbot and uh, Kapokakinen. So they've they've got some pieces. The defense looks like it's 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 coming together. The lines are solid. It's an entertaining game they played tonight. I feel like they can win a bunch of different ways. So uh, I'm feeling for the first time in several years at least that this is a team that can't just get to the playoffs, but once they get there could at least play a very competitive series, maybe two, maybe more. We'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Now, we're going to hear from Marcus Fowler, like I said, in just a minute here, but I want to set up that appearance by reading a little bit from his story that's on StarTribune.com uh, Tuesday morning and in your Star Tribune on Tuesday as well about Richard Pitino. Basically, I'm just going to read a little bit verbatim, um, indicating that Pitino has told his players that his days as head coach might be numbered. Start of the story, Richard Pitino's post-game comments to the Gophers on Saturday at Nebraska have left some members of the team believing he is likely down to his final games as their coach. Sources close to the program told the Star Tribune. According to the sources, it was an emotional scene inside the locker room following Saturday's loss at Pinnacle Bank Arena. If the Northwestern defeat at home two nights earlier had left Pitino searching for words, the Gophers' coach went a different direction in Lincoln, delivering a message that left the team convinced he will be let go at season's end. Now, there's been plenty of speculation and good reporting here from Marcus, um, speculation from others about Patino's job status, what might happen at the end of the season. What I wanted to get into with Marcus, though, wasn't so much of the 
is he in, is he out kind of thing? What What's going to happen at the end of the season? I wanted to know from Marcus, who covers this team as well as anybody in, in this whole market, what what went wrong? And this is his eighth year, Richard Pitino. What, what went wrong here this season in particular and over the long haul? Why wasn't Richard Pitino able to build a more consistent winner at Minnesota? So that kind of provides the framework for for what Marcus and I talked about. So I want to bring him in now. Good timing today to have Marcus Fuller, who covers Gophers men's basketball team for the Star Tribune, has been doing that for quite some time, uh, both at our paper and before that at the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Marcus, how you doing? Not bad, not bad. Uh, it's my second time doing the, the podcast, so I'm glad to get back on. Talk, you talk are. Over. You're getting uh, you're 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 in the two time club now. There's not not a lot of people in the two time club because it's a relatively new podcast. So, uh, welcome and and congratulations. I, I guess um, <laughs> it's uh, Marcus. Not going to mince words. It's been a struggle for the Gophers. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you about Rick, Richard Patino job speculation. That's not your chosen uh, direction. That's not how you operate as a beat writer. We leave that to the columnist. We had Patrick Royce on Monday to talk a little bit about that. But I, what I want to get to with you is wh- where did this season and maybe bigger picture, you know, lately the losses to Northwestern and Nebraska, just the latest setbacks after what seemed like a promising season, wh- where did this season, let's start with this season, kind of go go off the rails in your mind? What, what's been the problem? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, um, you know, pinpoint just one problem. At this point, you know, you definitely see that Patino is not wanting to use injuries as an excuse. I mean, he said that the last two games. In fact, I think he's, he said that the last three games that, and players have said it as well. You know, they, they miss Liam Robbins, their starting center. Uh, he's out with an ankle injury the last two games. And, uh, you know, it's, there's, no, uh, there's no way around it. Uh, ever since he had the ankle injury uh, in the second half versus their, their win against Purdue at home. Uh, they've lost five straight games. So, you know, he played three games, uh, banged up, you know, he tried his best, uh, wasn't able to give much of an effort, uh, especially offensively is where they miss him most in the post. Um, you know, it's, it's surprisingly defensively for a couple games there, he was blocking shots, but then he got into foul trouble and just wasn't, wasn't the same uh, defensive presence either. So clearly in their last five games, um, not having Liam Robbins, uh, at his best and then not at all in the last two games um, really did affect uh, how they do things. Um, you know, one thing I pointed out every time I do a story on Liam is that when they were beating good teams, ranked teams, um, he was at an all Big Ten level. Um, you know, they, they in, in four or five of the, the ranked uh, wins that they had, he was averaging 19 points a game, nine rebounds and three and a half blocks. If you put that those stats on any other big men in the in the Big Ten, that you're talking about first team, uh, all conference type of player. So he was big in their in their wins. Um, some of the losses he wasn't so much, and then he hasn't played lately. Uh, Gabe Kalsher's injury toward the end of the season, broken finger. You know, I wrote about before he got injured how this hasn't been a great season for him shooting the ball, but that he's done a lot of other great things. And you know, Patino's talked about it. One of the best on ball defenders in the Big Ten. And really, when he's been gone, and he's been gone a few games now, uh, you've seen their perimeter defense just take a hit quite a bit. I mean, they can't even guard, um, you know, uh, some of the, the, the lesser guards in the Big Ten are having some big games, big games against them. So I think if you look at this team, uh, you talked about where it fell off the rails. Um, I think before the injuries, you're starting to see some concerns, especially offensively. Um, they would go through stretches where, 
you know, I mean, shooting too many three pointers, relying too many on uh, too many outside shots, not going into Robbins enough, um, you know, and then they they were struggling to beat unranked teams, you know, like a Maryland, um, like a like a Purdue on the road, um, and those were wins that they needed, um, you know, to to prove that they were an NCAA tournament team. So before this team really, um, you know, at this point is out of the NCAA tournament mix when they're still trying to prove that they deserve to be in and comfortably. Uh, I think offensive issues were starting to show. And, um, you know, I think throughout uh, Patino's tenure, I think those are one of the big concerns that they've had um, is that they could not score consistently. Um, and, you know, I mean, we can talk about a lot of other things, but I think those are the main points um, of why this season, um, you know, started to really struggle. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, the most recent loss at Nebraska, and you can argue, you know, what was there much to salvage at that point? Maybe if they win those last three games, they're in, on the fringes, at least of, of tournament contention, but you get 41 points from Marcus Carr in that game. And you still lose that. I mean, the, the lack of developing more scoring outside of Carr and, you know, Robbins when he was healthy, seems like a, a real point of frustration this season. Did, did you see that developing along the way and did that kind of bite them when, when, especially when Robbins got hurt towards the end of the season? Right. And, you know, I, I covered that story too. Um, and how during Patino's tenure, I know we're just talking about this season, but you know, the, the lack of uh, depth in the front court has always been an issue um, in, during Patino's tenure. And, you know, you can look at uh, the strength that they had, you know, at the power forward spot with Jordan Murphy, one of the best all time to do it. Uh, Daniel Turu broke the NBA draft drought last year, um, you know, getting drafted uh, to the Clippers. Uh, so you look at there's been outstanding big men, yes, under Patino. But you look at the players behind them, you know, like when Jordan Murphy got injured in the uh, second round of the NCAA tournament against Mich- Michigan State and he couldn't play, they lost by 20. That was a chance to go to the Sweet 16. If you had maybe, you know, and Eric Curry was injured that year, but, you know, if you had someone come in and, and just – maybe do a, as best he could get, a, you know, 10 points or something. I mean, maybe that, that game's another game. Um, you look at the, the, the year before, um, you know, the, the, it got off the rails when, uh, you know, Reggie Lynch and his off the court situation, um, you know, he was a big 10 defensive player of the year and it's hard to replace that, but um, they, you know, behind Reggie Lynch, they had absolutely uh, no production. Uh, we're talking about, you know, one or two points a game, um, and I look back, it's, it's, it was surprising. If you look back at the centers that, uh, that they've had under Patino, this is his eighth season. Daniel Tour was the only uh, uh, high school center recruit that averaged double figures. Um, and I'm talking about just one season in double figures. So, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, he's relying a lot on transfers, especially this year. Uh, you know, Brandon Johnson's playing a lot better right now. But if you look at the center position, uh, they lost Robbins and there's really nothing behind them. And, and, you know, you have, if you, you have a chance in your eighth season to develop some players, uh, you know, if a high school kid comes in and he's not ready to play right away, maybe by a sophomore junior year, he's able to help you with that depth, but they just have not had that front court depth. And that's really, really come to, uh, to hurt them this year. And if you look at the, the backcourt, they're relying a lot on a freshman and Jamal Mashburn Jr. And he's really coming along, scoring the ball. Um, but if you look at, you know, Gabe struggles to shoot the ball like he did in, in years past. And then obviously Booth Gotch, I wrote about recently, uh, dealing with a lot with his family uh, and just the mental side of it. 
but also he has an injury as well. So again, depth has been a major issue this year. And, and really coming into the season, you thought that this might be one of Patino's deepest teams. I want to get back to style of play for this season in a minute, but I think what you said just now kind of want, makes me want to take a trip a little bit into the bigger picture. And, you know, you said eight, this is his eighth season here. Um, and do you, you know, the, this lack of depth has been a, a theme in other seasons. Do you see that more as kind of the, the coming to fruition of some of the, the unfortunate, you know, recruiting battles that he's lost. And you, we can talk a lot about the, the in-state players that have gone elsewhere, not even talking just about the Jalen Suggs or the, you know, the Trey Jones, but you know, that kind of next, next tier down, or is this more of a, a development question where the guys they're bringing in, they're not bringing them along well enough. So is it a talent question or is it a development question? Do you think? Well, to get to this point, I think it has to be a bit of both. Um, I think that, you know, in the college basketball uh, landscape, you're going to lose players, right? Transfers. Um, and then you have to fill the void. A lot of times uh, late in the, in the recruiting uh, season when uh, maybe the talent level isn't as great. So I think a lot of times you, what you've seen under Patino is, uh, you know, they haven't been able to be able to get some of the guys, like you mentioned, maybe the local guys or just even top uh, notch national recruits that they're going after in the early signing period. And then they have to come back in the late signing period and, and, you know, basically fill a whole class or, you know, some scholarships that they've uh, have open because of transfers. So when you're trying to fill a recruiting class with either transfers or high school recruits in the spring period, uh, for the most part, you're not getting the cream of the crop. You know, they did, we're fortunate with Liam Robbins. They're fortunate with Booth Gotch and uh, Brandon Johnson to get them in the spring. But for the most part, you know, a lot of their spring recruiting it just hasn't panned out, you know, and, and it's not necessarily the player's fault for not developing. Maybe he just, those players aren't, aren't at that talent level, you know, they're maybe they're not just a big 10 talent level. So I think that's part of it. Um, and then you also talked about the, the development of players. A large part of, of development is uh, stability within the program. Um, they've had different uh, assistants leave quite a bit during Patino's tenure. Um, you know, they've had, you know, some, some staff changes around that. So I think that hurts development of players. Um, you know, you talked about philosophy, um, you know, what's your recruiting philosophy? Um, you know, you can't get every player in the state of Minnesota, but you know, a lot of coaches that come in here, they talked about locking down the borders. Well, you're not going to be able to keep the players from going to Duke and some of the blue buds, but you know, you should have probably a recruiting base here in Minnesota of kids that you feel like fit in your program, fit in your style, and then continue to recruit those kids. And I think part of the reason there's no depth on this team is because he's not had a recruiting base in Minnesota. So you rely on kids that aren't from the state. And maybe when they're not playing as much, they transfer. Um, and then when the state is really deep with talent, um, you know, you're not able to, to tap into that with players that fit your style, your system, your program that want to make the Minnesota, University of Minnesota a program to contend with, and they'll stick around for their entire career. You know, Michael Hurt is the only recruit that stayed here for four years um, out of Minnesota from high school. Wow. I didn't realize um, that. That's amazing. And, and he graduated last year. Um, and, it, you know, it was a tough time for him, obviously, uh, but he stuck it out. And so I think that I think local recruiting obviously has hurt this program's depth um, transfers, not being able to, to sign those early kids that can really make a difference. You know, Daniel Turu committed when he was a junior in high school, Amir Coffey committed, um, you know, well before the early signing period. Um, they really lucked out on Jordan Murphy. He was a spring recruit. 
You know, that, I think Jordan Murphy's the lone spring recruit, high school recruit that ended up being a, a, a starter for them for four years and, and becoming obviously one of Patino's best players. So, you know, I, recruiting has been a big issue for this program and why it's here right now. And, uh, you know, the, the development side of it, I think it's more the big men than anything because we're in the big 10 and you need those physical post presence that really can, if you're not shooting the ball, well, you can still rebound and you can still protect the, the paint. And especially now in, in the big 10, you see what they're just producing some of the best in the country with, um, you know, the Luca Garza's and the Kofi Coburn's of the world. I'm a little confused with what their style even is because they've really transitioned into being a heavy reliance on three pointers this year. And maybe in part that's, defense is realizing that you know they're they're not great at it that's the shot they're going to give them as opposed to you know letting Marcus Carr drive as opposed to letting Liam Robbins operate in the post and Liam Robbins can still hit threes too but you know and then Patino's even lamented that they shoot too many threes but you know how did how do they become this team that shoots a lot of threes but doesn't make a lot of threes and and is that their identity right now or how would you describe their identity well I would say that uh you know I don't know if it's an identity to be the worst Big Ten shooting three point it's team, a, but it's a, it's a thing. It's not a, it's not an yeah. identity to put on a business card. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And but you know that's that's kind of what they've been known for, right? I mean, that's what we're always talking about. Like they shoot a lot of threes. Why aren't they? You know, why are they continuing to shoot a lot of threes? I think part of it is because you know. So if you go into every game, you have your game plan, right? And obviously, most of the teams that play Minnesota will say, "Hey." They're the worst shoot, three-point shooting team in the Big Ten. We're going to force them to shoot a lot of threes. So they'll, they'll play zone, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll dare them to shoot it, and they do. Well, most teams that you want to – if you want a chance to, to be competitive, you'll say, hey, let's have our style and make the other team, you know, figure out how to beat it. And so I think that they're, they're playing into, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take what the defense gives us, but that's not really an identity like what you said. You know, I think going through Marcus Carr and having a, a dominant, a ball dominant point guard that's hard to stop. I think that's part of the identity of go for basketball under Patino. You know, if you look back at the Nate Masons and even you know he, he inherited Andre Hollins, but Andre Hollins was that type of guard. You know, DeAndre Matthew. Um, you know, Marcus Carr is is is, is you know the, the heir apparent right now, and then Jamal Mashburn Jr. looks like that as well. So I think. If you look back to Patino's era, I think the, those ball dominant guards that have a chance to score 25 to 30 points a game, if you give them the, the opportunity and put the ball in their hands, I think that's kind of what the style is. But is that a winning style, especially in the Big Ten? I think if you have a guard oriented uh, team and attack, uh, there's some other conferences, Pac-12 or even, you know, maybe Big East that, that might win. But here in the Big Ten, obviously, they slow the, the pace. It's hard to get in transition. Um, I think that's part of the reasons why a lot of times that they, they, they aren't shooting threes very well. Transition threes are some of the best times to get it, you know, and, and then I, I think that this team has an identity crisis because they've had a couple big men here and here and there, like a Jordan Murphy or Daniel Turu, where like, wow, we can throw the ball inside like a Liam Robbins and we can become a, a team that's more equipped to play in the Big Ten in the half court set. Right. But that's not their style. That's not how they've recruited. And so I think there's a, there's, if you watch, you know, Daniel Tour and Marcus Carr play with one another, um, there is a, who, whose team is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, last year it was at the end of games, Marcus Carr maybe tried to win it. Um, maybe they should have gotten it into Daniel a little bit more. 
Um, you know, I'm not a coach and, you know, obviously Daniel's a great player. So is Marcus Carr. Those are decisions that the coaches have to make this year, you know, who do we rely on? I mean, you look, like I said, look, look at the big games. Liam Robbins had a, you know, he was huge. He was an all big 10 type of player. Marcus Carr, you know, 41 points versus Nebraska and they don't beat Nebraska, but he also had 30 versus Iowa and they pulled that one out. So I think the, 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 the balance between a ball dominant uh, point guard, uh, and, and guard oriented attack, and then having a post that, that can, that you can contend with, help you contend in the big 10. I think that balance has been really tough for them to figure out what their identity is. And really sometimes you just want to play to your, your personnel. Right. And I think, you know, under Patino, they've had better guard depth than they've had in the post. So he hasn't had the posts to be able to play the style that I think is can win consistently in the big 10 and, and, and he's had to, to, to adjust to that. Last thing for you, you talk to more Gophers fans than I do, even though I hear from plenty of them too. What, what do you sense is the sentiment right now or the frustration level or where, where are they at with this program from the people that you hear from the most? Well, you, you probably hear from them as well on social media, but I think for the most part, you know, everyone just wants to see this program take the next step. And, you know, there was, there was points in Patino's career where it seemed like uh, it was close to that. You know, two years ago, they won their NCAA tournament game, beat Louisville. Um, you know, re- recently, a, a Big Ten Network uh, social media post on Twitter uh, talked about what your favorite March Madness moment was. And I decided to post a picture of Gabe Kalsher with the guitar strings, you know, yeah. plugging them along after he hit five threes versus Louisville. I mean, that was a big moment because uh, that was a game close to the Twin Cities in Des Moines. So a lot of fans came out there. It was a huge goal for crowd. Um, excitement, you know, I mean, they lost to Michigan State in the, in the following game, but in that game, it, you kind of saw maybe the future, you know, you had a lot of Minnesota players on the court with Daniel Turu and Gabe Kalsher and Amir Coffey. And so I think that maybe not being able to build off of that uh, is really frustrate Gopher fans right now because they didn't think that this program would be in the situation where it is, where it's losing to two of the best or the worst teams in the Big Ten with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. And you can talk about injuries, but I don't think they want to hear that anymore. I think they want to see this program take the next step. And, you know, I think if, if injuries happen, then that means, you know, you have to have other players step up and, and try to you know make the season still a, a special one. And that hasn't happened. So, you know, obviously Patino um, hears from fans a lot. He's heard it throughout his career as far as the criticism and that hasn't changed. And, and really, you know, he's, he's coached through that a lot of times. Um, but right now it's been really tough for him and for the team, you know, to continue to, to try to build momentum, even though the season right now is not gone how they want it to. Marcus, great stuff. Um, better than the Gophers have looked lately. You're always on point. Thank you for joining me today on the Daily Delivery Podcast, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon as the season comes to a close. All right. Thanks a lot. Good stuff from Marcus, as usual. Um, we'll hear from Richard Patino at some point on Tuesday. He's supposed to speak in advance of the Gophers' final road game of the year Wednesday at Penn State, their last chance to get a road victory all season, have not won on the road, which is a big part of not only their downfall this season, but their downfall under Patino in the Big Ten. I think 14-60 and 60 is the mark in Big Ten road games during his coaching career to date. Um, so we'll hear, we'll probably hear more from Patino in that. I would imagine, though, we're not going to know anything definitive about his job status 
um, at least until the, the the final the final game of the season uh, Saturday against Rutgers. I, that's not really how Mark Coyle, the the AD, operates. That I can't imagine anything's going to happen officially until then. So we'll see how this all plays out. But again, great stuff from Marcus, and continue to follow that story, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. All right, I want to play you an extended clip now from Ricky Rubio Sunday night after they lost to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Timberwolves, a lot, another lopsided loss, third lopsided loss in four games under new head coach Chris Finch. A lot of lopsided losses this season. Wolves are seven and twenty-eight. Um, you know, just really limping through through this season, uh, especially lately. So he, here's what Rubio had to say, and then I want to talk a little bit more about kind of. The, the meaning behind those words, at least in my eyes. There is an evidence that it may work, like it happened with Philadelphia, I guess. Trust the process when they went like two or three years uh, really bad and then they start winning. But um, I kind of don't believe in that kind of system. Uh, you had to build uh, good habits uh, from day one. And I don't think... Uh, we are in the right way, to be honest. And um, I can be here and be positive, and like we're trying to be, and, and it's it's okay. Uh, but we we have the worst record in the league. Um, we lost way too many games by twenty plus, and um, I don't feel like this is building something. Um, it's hard. It's it's it's. You always have to take positive things, and of course, we will watch film get better. But uh, at one point, we got to start doing or start uh, wanting to change something, and it's, it's not happening. Okay, so what's Rubio's kind of angle in all this? What, what's, his, what's his end game? Um, you know, the easiest answer is the simplest one, right? That he's just a frustrated player. He's tired of losing. There's been a lot of it going on this season. He says, there's a lot of things we have to figure out and correct and get better. I've got to lead better. You know, Carlton Towns, everybody's got to do a better job. So basically, you know, right off the bat, the easiest explanation is is the plain one, right? The the one where he's saying, I'm tired of losing. Basically, we got to do better. Let, let's turn this around. Let, let's get this corrected. Let's have some practice time. Let's, you know, let's let's figure this all out. I also get the sense that he's, probably saying I'm a veteran leader on this team, right? If someone's got to say something, I'm going to say it. But I think the message is also a little bit more complex than that, that he's not just critical of the way that the Wolves are, not just critical of the Wolves losing, he's critical of the the way they're going about it, the way they're going about building their roster and, you know, and losing, you know, as a part of this whole process. He invokes, you know, the Philadelphia trust the process says, you know, they went two, three years really bad, then they started winning. I don't really believe in that kind of system. We have to build good habits from day one, and I don't think we are in the right way, to be honest. Now, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I think they could win more games if they played a style that was more conducive to their current personnel. They're playing fast. They're letting it fly. They shoot a lot of threes. They don't make a lot of threes. Um they're playing the way they want to eventually play when they have different players. And whether that's building good habits is, you know, a subject of debate. But Rubio at least seems to be saying that the intended consequences are not happening right now. Do you guys know that Carl Anthony Towns, by the way, is 4-30 and 30 in the last 34 games he's played with the Timberwolves? I mean, something's not going right here. 
Last thing, though, Rubio is never part of a winning culture in his first go-around with the Wolves. Uh, by the way, NBA Reddit saw this. Uh, a couple people sent this to me. Wolves now have the worst all-time winning percentage of any active major pro sports franchise in, uh, I think it's North America, 393. They edged out the Super Bowl champion, uh, but often terrible, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they're now, they're now uh, yeah, 393 all-time. Now the Wolves with Rubio... Um, they've played, he's played 386 games now for the Wolves, 386 winning percentage when Rubio plays. That's even worse than the franchise mark, but he did escape that once, right? They got traded away to Utah. People were sad, but it was time for him to go three seasons away from Minnesota. He won more than he lost 116 and 94 for those teams. He went away. He saw what a winning culture looks like. He knows this isn't it, at least not right now. And I don't think he has any interest in suffering through a rebuilding quote unquote process. So maybe the final piece of what he's saying is a plea. Get me out of here. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know what, what would happen in the trade market deadlines a few weeks away, but you know, surely both of these sides wanted a happier reunion when this trade was made a few months ago on draft night. It hasn't worked out for the Wolves. It hasn't worked out for Rubio. He's never looked fully comfortable. So, I mean, if the Wolves can hire a head, a head coach from a different organization in the middle of a pandemic season, nothing to me is off the table. Now, again, most of this is probably just Rubio expressing his frustration. Everybody could probably use a break, but I'm watching for the subtext in all this, and I'm watching to see if it gets even uglier when that break is done. Let's end things with the cooler. Shout out to Megan Ryan, our new Twins baseball beat writer. She will share that beat with Phil Miller. Vacancy opened up when Lavelle E. Neal III was promoted to columnist, which a role which he has just started. And in fact, Lavelle will be on Wednesday's uh, Daily Delivery podcast along with Twins general manager Thad Levine. But Megan, hopefully we'll get Megan on the show soon, maybe even uh, later this week. But uh, congrats to her. Looking forward to what she brings to that beat, the energy she will bring to that beat. So congratulations to Megan. Look for her work. She did cover the 2019 Gophers football team, the best uh, best in that program's history in a long time. So maybe she will be uh, she will be the one to cover a uh, playoff win, maybe for the uh, for the Minnesota Twins. You never know. We'll see. So, congrats to Megan and uh, everybody. Go follow her work when she starts on the beat later this month. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Daily Delivery podcast. Subscribe, read Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, and we will be back at this again on Wednesday.